When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, or good morning, wherever you're tuning in from, wherever you are in the world. Please let me know where you are in the world in the live chat there, and uh, let's get straight to it. There was a women's final, so let's talk about it. What happened, who won, and how did it play out? Ash Barty winning in straight sets against uh, Daniel Collins to become the first female Australian uh, Australian Open Australian winner in 44 years. Uh, she won 6-3-7-6. So much to talk about, so much to get into. Uh, hi there, somebody from Cambodia. Wow, uh, nice to have you in the chat there. I'm going to try and pronounce your name, Sremuch Chan. Uh, it's sometimes a bit tricky pronouncing the tennis players' names, but also the people in the chat. Uh, anyway, let's get to it. So, uh, yes, Ashbarty won. Let me know in the live chat how you think this went. Do you think Ashbarty won it, or did Daniel Collins lose it? Bearing in mind that she was five-one up in that second set. Perhaps it's a little harsh to say that she lost it in the fact that if she was five-one up in a third set or five-one up. Uh, with, you know, in, in the crucial sets, so to speak. It's slightly different to being 5-1 up. There's still a lot of work to do. Um, hi, Fatima. Nice to have you on board. And, of course, I know you're in Germany. I will be heading back to Germany tomorrow evening. Terry's saying that she definitely won it. Yes, I guess we can certainly put a positive spin on it like that. And that's certainly uh, how most tennis fans viewed it. And we'll just have a quick look at some of the reaction. Um of course, it was a big day for Australia. We'll be touching on other winners coming from Australia today as well. But obviously, an Australian Open and an Australian Open winner uh, for the women's singles, but also the men's doubles, which we will touch upon shortly. But let's focus on Ash Barty right now. And it's uh, a tweet here from 
Australian uh, men's tennis legend Rod Laver there saying backstage with some amazing Aussie tennis legends. Yvonne Goulagon, uh, who actually, I think, uh, was presenting the trophy to Ash Barty in what was a surprise appearance. Uh, Chris O'Neill, who was the last Australian Open female champion 44 years ago, 1978. Judy Dalton and the one and only, of course, Ash Barty, who did something pretty special this evening, uh, as Rod Laver says. And there she is, grinning from ear to ear with the trophy in her hand, unsurprisingly. And just in case Ash Barty was unsure about how long ago it was that Australia could last celebrate a women's champion, she was certainly reminded of it by the crowd who were there to cheer her on all the way, and she reacted very well to that support. Some people may be worried about how she might react to that pressure, particularly as it seemed to get to her in years gone by, but tonight that was anything but a problem. But, of course, her opponent perhaps did feel the pressure. We do remember there was a little moment with the umpire as well during the second set from Daniel Collins, and I think she certainly was feeling that pressure at times. But... There was now a time for Ashbari to relieve that pressure, if you like, and she enjoyed it with a nice beer afterwards. All beer, not looking like a uh, Australian beer. It looks to me like a Mexican beer to me. It could well be a Corona. But anyway, uh, moving on. Then, of course, came the congratulations from all across the tennis world, but particularly from women's tennis and some of her compatriots, or some not some of her compatriots, sorry, some of her... Um, Colleagues, if you like, which obviously must be special for her. Huge congratulations to my friends Ash Barty from Simona Halep there, um, a former Wimbledon champion, of course, and uh, who did pretty well at this year's tournament before crashing out. Amazing performance. So happy to see you with that trophy. Uh, moving on to other people who congratulated Victoria Azarenka as well, a Grand Slam winner. There was just no better tennis player at the moment than Ash Barty. Most complete and focused the way she is able to put pieces together and add a bit more to her game is absolutely admirable. What an example. Congratulations to you and all your team. More, Alice Cornet, who had an excellent uh, Grand Slam, of course, in Australia, reaching her first ever quarterfinal at a major, offering her congratulations as well, uh, reminding everyone, if we, anyone was uncertain, that she is the best. On Jabeur, of course, who wasn't able to compete due to a back injury, but nevertheless, she was quick to congratulate Ash Barty as well. Um, more congratulations as well. And even, even Kylie Minogue getting in on the act there. Wow, Barty party. Huge congrats to Ash Barty. Such an inspiration and legend. And there is a picture of the winner kissing the trophy. Um, Let's go back to the generic image, though. I think that works well for the next segment. Um, let me know, by the way, what you think about today's pod. Uh, I am bringing it to you from uh, Budapest. So we had somebody there from uh, from Germany and from Cambodia. I am still in Budapest. I've got a little picture of the skyline, if you like, or a little image sorry, of the skyline in the background. That's a... I'm outside today. So we often talk about roofs and conditions. Let me know if you think the podcast is affected positively or negatively by these outside conditions. Hopefully, I'm still sounding fairly crisp. But um, inside, outside, and temperatures have certainly been a hot topic throughout this tournament. And let's keep it going through this podcast. Almino, nice to have you on board. Happy for Barty winning the Australian Open. Now the pressure is off her. Undoubtedly, this. And also saying hi. Thanks very much. Kathy saying long time no see. A <laughs> uh, nice regular. I know she's greeting Fatima, but that could be the same for many of us. Uh, so there. Terry obviously mentioning that Yvonne Golagon was great to see her presenting. Yeah, I think nobody expected that, and least of all Ash Barty. I did see somebody commenting on Twitter, which was quite funny, 
Somebody said something like, when they said we've got a surprise to see who's going to be presenting the trophy, uh, I saw somebody tweeting, did anyone think that was Novak Djokovic was going to be presenting the Twitter, uh, presenting the trophy? Uh, Kathy reminding us anyway, love it, John. Uh, is housekeeping making a cameo appearance again? Who knows? I am outside, albeit I do have a roof, if you like. So there is, I am kind of looking out at, at Budapest right now. But um, who knows? If we get interrupted, apologies for that. Uh, but hopefully I'm going to be keeping cool and I'm hoping to keep my laptop cool after we had a slight technical glitch yesterday for those of you who were tuning in. Uh, thanks, Kathy. Anyway, okay, let's get into uh, the uh, the match, if we like, um, and uh, let's have a quick deep dive on how this uh, played out, really. Um, so obviously it was 6 3 7 6 uh, which doesn't tell the full story. Um, it was kind of nip and tuck for large parts of the first set before Ashbardi got the crucial break. Fairly even on the winner's category, by the way, of 17-15. Perhaps we might have expected a bit more from Collins on that count, but to be fair, we have the slice from Barty, which most of the time Collins dealt with, but she still wasn't able to quite... Uh, deliver the winners that she would like to, obviously. So you could argue that was a crucial element. Uh, the unforced errors was fairly even. Barty killing it on the ace count, although I know some of you don't value ace counts. Um, but I guess really when we look at the match, I guess we have to focus on the beginning of the second set. Why? Well, Collins races into a 5-1 lead, and we're all thinking, game on. Uh, very much game on. But somehow she lost her way. Did she choke? Did she? I, I think a choke would be a bit strong because I think of choking serving for the match. I think of choking blowing leads. At no point was she leading the match, if you like. Um, I, did she lose focus? Did she get distracted by the crowd? We already mentioned that before. Um, she'll certainly have regrets. I, I think it might be a bit harsh to suggest a choke as such. A few nerves, of course, and they would have been there throughout. But um, I associate chokes with blowing a lead. So if it was 5-1 in the third, as I said earlier, or she's one set up and, and two breaks up, very different. I think the fact that Ash Barty still had the one set lead um, makes me err a little bit away from a choke because as I, say, I associate that more with a on the verge of victory and then not winning it. Um, perhaps you could even look at something like Muguruza, for example, who double faulted, I think, a couple of times uh, in the third set against Kennan two years ago and many, many other chokes that we've seen in the past. Um, so let me know. Let's have a quick look at the live chat to see if there's anything exciting going on regarding this. Choking was Pliskova in Rome. Uh, that You mean when she lost six love, six love? I don't know whether that's a choke either for me. For me, a choke is, is on the verge of victory and you blow it. Uh, but Almino says, no way, 5-1 up, it was a choke. Collins also had a 5-1 lead on Eager in set one and couldn't serve it out. Eager got three games in a row, it's a pattern. Yeah, that's true, uh, but I think that was to win the match, and ultimately she broke Eager to make it 6-4, and she wins. I, I've since actually a quote, I think it's from... Uh, from Billie Jean King, I think it is Billie Jean King, where she's talking about Rafa Nadal, and she says he can sometimes choke, but he still wins, uh, a bit like he probably did in that Wimbledon final of 2008, and possibly also against a certain Daniel Medvedev in 2019, 
where he possibly did choke a little bit, if you like, but still win. Scott Towson there, of course. Yeah, Jana Novotna is probably the classic example. I think she was 4-1 up in the third set with a double break, and she double faults against Steffi Graf. And from that moment onwards, Steffi Graf reeled her in and reeled her in and reeled her in to ultimately win the Wimbledon title that year in 1993. So fortunately, Jana Novotna came back from that to win Wimbledon a few years later. So at least she managed to win one Wimbledon title, which I think was every tennis romantic's dream, uh, which is just great for her. Uh, that's a choke for me. A choke has to be, you are about to win the match. You're about to win the title. Um, I would even argue the person who mentioned the eager thing that is a choke, if you like, but she managed to get over it because she was on the verge of victory. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Almino, okay, it's a nice compromise there. Okay, it was a set choke. Yeah, let's call it that. I, I, I certainly agree that she'll have huge regrets. And yeah, and, and of course, we were reminded of that during the on-court uh, acceptance speeches afterwards. I felt very awkward at, at this point. Um, I'm going to just play you an on-court uh, the on-court acceptance speeches, just for a few seconds to remind you of what I mean, because, yeah, it was it was tricky. It was tricky. Uh, I think this is it. Yeah, we've got the ceremony here, so hopefully I'm going to be sharing this with you right now. So we have the Tennis Australia uh, chief here. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce her name because I know I'm going to make a pig's ear of it, but really the point I want to highlight is what she congratulates Ash Barty on coming back from 5-1 down. But there's one person who hears this and reacts. Tell me what you think. One five down, Ash Barty, you rock. Even Ash Barty looks a little bit more like bashful Barty here. And we can all see the look on Daniel Collins's face. Just watch as uh, as she is told or reminded of 1-5 down or Daniel Collins will be hearing 5-1 up. Well, it's not the only thing that looks down at this point. Daniel Collins certainly looks down in every single shape and form. Okay. So, um, oh, so the audio didn't work. Oh, my goodness me. Uh, why didn't it work? Uh, because I didn't uh, click the tick box. Okay. So, um, let's try, try, try one more time. Maybe it'll work this time and I can go straight to it. Cool. Ash Barty and Daniel Collins. This is unbelievable tennis. Congratulations to both of them. Ash Barty, one five down. You rock. Well done. Daniel Collins looks unexcited by this. Barty, one five down. You rock. Well done. Yeah. Let me know again a little bit more on this. Let's uh, let's go back to Ash Barty, though, I think. Great. I uh, just got a message from JG. Yay, sound on. I'm really pleased about that. Almino, yes, sorry about no sound. Matthew as well, apologies for that. But hopefully you managed to get it. Yeah, Matthew then saying, yeah, it's working, yeah. Uh, hands, yes, I will just touch on Kyrgios and Kokonakis, uh, but I'll be coming to that shortly. Uh, thank you for your question, nevertheless. 
Uh, yeah. Anyway, we've got this image here, and I think it kind of sums up certainly Daniel Collins's day. Um, and uh, yeah, let's hope she can recover from this quickly and she can move on. Uh, oh, Terry, they're saying that she was also frosty at the net. I presume you mean in the exchange that they would have had. Collins looks shell shocked. How on earth did she lose that set? Yeah, five one up. You don't expect it. Do you think that Collins would have won the match if she'd won the set six one? Lewis, great question. Honestly, no, I don't. And uh, maybe Collins can feel a bit better about that as a result. I, I still think that. I mean, did anyone, by the way, think that when it went to a tie break, so obviously she gets it back to five all and you're kind of fearing that it may even end up being seven five. But did anyone in the live chat think once it went to a tie break that there would be anyone else that would win that tie break other than Ash Barty? Absolutely not. And I think even if it had gone to a third set, I think Ash Barty had proved over the previous hour of the match or so that despite being five one down in that second set, she was the better player both on the day and in general, as many of those tweets alluded to. Uh, talking of which, um, I'm going to just turn the audio off for you people now so you don't get annoyed by anything. Um, so basically, um, what this now means for Ash Barty is that she is now a champion on all three surfaces because she's won the uh, Australian Open on a hard court, the French Open of 2019, I believe, on clay, of course, and also she won Wimbledon last year. And Rod Laver here congratulating her on that uh, fact. He's so happy for her. There's nothing like winning at home. It's wonderful to be here for this moment and to celebrate with Australia. And in doing so, Ash Barty become, joins Serena Williams as one of only two active players to have won majors on all three surfaces. And here is a wonderful image. We all know that lovely image of Ash Barty as a child with a little trophy. Well, here is the same image mocked up with her three Grand Slam trophies. Um, well, there we have the Wimbledon one there in the middle. Nice there as well. So there we go. Ash Barty, congratulations. Easily the best player in the world and easily the best player at the tournament. Ah, Mr. Medvedev, we're going to come to you in a second. So let's have a quick look at the live chat before I switch uh, topics. Um, who is Barty's main challenger at the Slams this year? Thank you, Ben. Oh, I think it depends on the surface. I mean, somebody, for example, that we probably thought about a year ago, uh, Naomi Osaka, who's plummeted in the world rankings, by the way. Um, I think it really depends on the surface. I think you would imagine that she'll have similar rivals on grass uh, to the who she had this in last year's Wimbledon, at, uh, uh, this year's Wimbledon, sorry. Um, on clay, you would think there could be a few more challenges. Uh, Halep, uh, potentially. Um who knows? Who knows? There could be a left field one like Von Drusfer, who got to the final a few years ago on clay. Um, but on a hard court, I guess, is where she's going to get most challenges. Obviously, Radu Karnal will be looking at repeating her uh, win from this year. Uh, I think Muguruza will be a challenger on both grass and clay and hard court. Muguruza, I think, had a really shocking tournament going out in the second round. So I guess... I would go Muguruza just because she's probably, along with Barty, the best over all three surfaces. Let me know in the live chat if you think there is a, 
Uh, Ashbari over the. If you look at the three surfaces, I put Ashbari as first. Uh, Bedosa, I would say, on some courts, particularly say hard and clay, those would be the ones that spring to mind. Matthew thinking Raducanu, ah ha ha. Maybe I'm being biased with my British hat on, perhaps. Uh, Emma doesn't have any top 10 win. Okay, that's a fair point. But I think <laughs> she's only been on the tour for less than a year. So I think give her a chance. Um, and I don't even know if top 10 means anything at women's tennis because you could beat Naomi Osaka and that would be an unbelievable win. But right now that wouldn't count as a top 50 win. So I'm not so worried about that stat regarding Raducanu, particularly at this fledgling part of her career. Bradlin there, Bradlin, abandoned San, uh, Sadler Gray, they're saying Osaka will only challenge Barty on hard. Uh, she hasn't proven on the other surface. Yes, agree. Um, so I think it, there's a mixture of things. I think if you look at all three surfaces, I can't think of anybody as adept as Muguruza, but you could look at uh, each tournament and give a case for other players, particularly say, I think the clay and the grass, you'd have to be a lot more specific. As you said, Osaka, I don't see her challenging either at Wimbledon. Oh, of course, Swanchek. How can I forget Swanchek on the clay? Yeah, I, I think you'd still make Swanchek, for example, favourite for the French Open, uh, probably ahead of Barty. So it's very surface dependent. I would say Swanchek on the clay and on the hard, I would say she's got 10 rivals. What I would say, though, is this tournament in particular, I think we were starting to think of it. We Often I talk about the depth in women's tennis, but right now that depth is on a second level, if you like. On the top level is Ash Barty and Ash Barty alone. Talking of top levels, there is another uh, race that I wasn't even aware of until uh, the last few hours even, which is the race on the men's side to see who can get the most fines at this year's tournament. Uh, we have here the Australian Open competition in the men's fine list, brought to us by Ben Rothenberg. Thank you for this tweet. Uh, stacked with multiple offenders, uh, and it's as competitive as it is on the court. Shapovalov there leading the way with the $15,000 fine by obviously shouting that all umpires are corrupt. Tsitsipas with the $13,000 fine, aided and abetted by his coaching from his father. Medvedev with the $12,000 fine. And Nick Kyrgios, by the way, languishing there on only $10,000. Uh, so many of you might be thinking, Medvedev, why does he get in amongst it? Well, Mr. Medvedev, of course, had an interesting day yesterday. We did touch upon it during yesterday's pod, but because I wasn't quite sure on how to share the audio, but hopefully now I am, I can share this with you. Let's see if I can do so, so we can just dip into a quick reminder of why Mr. Medvedev is on this list by the way do you like the way i'm just sort of talking very slowly with all the different words on this list so that way i can share the audio with you uh once i can find the um the correct tab i think it could be not this one but i will soon find it uh where are we here we go here we go mr medvedev is on that list because of this Maybe he's like thinking, oh, when does the Rafa Nadal match start? Because I think I need to know. Um, I need to be on court. I need to be punctual. So when? 
Does the match with Nadal start? 9.30 a.m. here in Europe, 8.30 a.m. in the UK, and I don't know what time it'll be elsewhere. Okay, uh, just a quick dip into yesterday's fun. Uh, hi, Ivan, saying morning, uh, Silk. Um, I guess uh, uh, I'm hoping that the, the, the sound worked. Uh, you showed Collins. Try again. Did it not? Did it not work? Oh dear. I, I mean, I had it. I, I had it. I had it on that one. But let's see. Let's try again. Uh, come off Collins onto there. Is it on the right one now? Should be on the right one. I'm hoping. No, still not sharing it. Don't know why. You show Collins one. Try again. Uh, I'm going to try again. Uh, build, share, Thailand. The problem is, is I'm not sure uh, which one of these it is. Um, Grand Slam went on three different surfaces, the best without a doubt. There's just no, yeah, I don't know which tweet it is. That's the trouble. Um, no, I don't think this is going to happen. I can just try it like this and then share with the audio, but I don't think it'll work. Um, I imagine that now it's still not working. Uh, I'm going to go to the what time thing and we're going to still not have it, but let's try. Let me know in the live chat. Is it working? Don't know. Doesn't matter. Never mind. Um, let's see. Is it working in the live chat? I'm going to come back to you now. Move on. We've all seen it anyway. Yeah, I think you're right, Matthew D'Souza. Let's move on. Okay. Let's talk about... Uh, Get your questions in the live chat, by the way. I am just going to come to some other points as well. I was asked earlier about the Nick Kyrgios situation and their doubles with Kokinakis today. And they also made it a double victory for Cham uh, to Australia and winning the men's doubles. For the first time in 25 years, Australia can also celebrate men's doubles champions. Of course, that was inevitable. Obviously, they had Australian opponents. And, we, of course, we covered that as well on the live watch along today. And I can just show you a little image from that too. Um, if my sharing is working, I hope so. No, still showing the wrong one. Uh, I'm going to probably stop sharing and then start again. Hopefully this will work this time. Uh, okay. Boom. Technical issues finished back on board. So, yes, we've got this uh, image here of these two, and I'd like to just remind us, Nick, uh, Nick Kyrgios and Tonasi Kokinakis are the first wildcard pairing to ever win the Australian Open men's doubles title. Uh, but let's also move on to something a little bit more serious because we all remember as well, earlier this week, there were some people thrown out of the stadium in Melbourne for uh, wearing Where Is Peng Shui t-shirts, and fortunately, Tennis Australia relented with that policy and have actually said it's okay. And it was nice to see some activists outside promoting that cause. Um, moving on to questions. I asked you to tweet me some questions. And here are some questions. And most people seem to be interested in tomorrow's men's final. Uh, what is going to be the deciding factor in the long rallies between Rafa and Medvedev? Thank you for that question as well from a Twitter account, Eddie D. Eagle. Um, I did respond on Twitter, but I will be also just saying, basically, I think I think the deciding factors, and, and for me, Nadal, sorry, Medvedev is a clear favorite, and there's various factors for that. One is that 
if it goes four or five, which given the quality of both players, you'd expect it'd be very unlikely that Rafa could win in three. And I don't see Rafa's fitness holding out for four or five sets. So uh, that'll be a factor if it was to go to four or five. I think also Medvedev's form, and particularly since their 2019 meeting, where, of course, uh, he was pushed to five sets. There was not much between them that day in New York. And now I see Medvedev as being the better hard court player. So for me, Medvedev is the favorite, probably over four sets, but he could even get it done in straight sets. Um, let me just see. There was another question as well from Haman. What is your latest on, on Kyrgios' retirement predictions? Do you think he would consider playing doubles only? I think he would consider it. I think with Kyrgios, you may see this being an ongoing thing for the rest of his career. It may be a rumor. It may be one that he acts upon and he retires and comes back and retires and comes back. Let's see how that pans out. Don't know uh, is my answer to that in general. Um, okay, obviously we've got a show on tonight celebrating Ash Barty's victory. And we've also got, of course, tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m. UK time, Nadal versus Medvedev. Uh, let me know some questions in the live chat before we bring this to an end. Uh, we can also talk about today if you want, Ash Barty. We can also talk about tomorrow's match too. Um Feel free, unshare, John. Okay, I can unshare if you like, uh, JG, but I think we're okay with leaving this screen on. Um, let me know your questions in the live chat before we wrap up. Wrap up. Matthew D'Souza, does Rafa have to win the first set? Yes, he does. Um, yes, he does have to win the first set. Simple as that. Um, I think Medvedev wins the first set. It's game, set, match, almost. Um, I, the problem that, that Nadal has is, is twofold. I think it's partly his age, but it's also partly even injuries, particularly the recent one. I think that foot is still an issue. And I think it explains why his movement in sets three and four on a few occasions in this tournament. Don't forget, he's lost the third set now on three out of the last four matches. And I do think, even though he had the stomach issues and the, the heat issues against Shapovalov, it wasn't just that. His movement in the fifth set was basically non-existent. He managed to break by some aggressive tennis on Shapovalov's serve. He managed to break because Shapovalov blew it. Uh, he also managed to win the match because he served so well. Sam H there. Daniel uh, wouldn't mind taking the plate home right. Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't. Um, absolutely. Um Cool. Uh, Matthew D'Souza, how does this tournament compare to the recent U.S. Open? Good question. I think it depends on what happens tomorrow to some extent, because um, I always think that that often the finals can have an influence. I guess the U.S. Open finals, despite them both being straight sets, had their own unbelievable stories, which, of course, uh, a win for... Um, uh, Nadal would have his obvious, unbelievable stories. But I think also, obviously, with uh, Medvedev could be the first man in uh, the Open era to win his first Grand Slam at the US Open and then back it up by winning the next Slam as well. So I think there's uh, plenty on the line, of course, for both players. But I, I think in answer to your question more generically, um, this tournament has been good. There's been some great narratives, some great stories on and off the court. But that US Open was insane. And I have no idea how many five-set matches there were or three-set matches there were uh, on the men's and women's side at this tournament. But it felt like there was a lot more in uh, New York. And most of them seemed to involve Leila Fernandez. Uh, any more questions? Do you think Collins will stay in the top 10 for a long time? Um, 
No, and that's not because of Collins. It's just because I think there's 50 players that are so good and I think you, they're quite bunched up as well, which explains why Osaka losing the way she did and then plummeting to number 80 or whatever it is in the world. But she could easily be back on the top 10 within a few months uh, if she strings a few things together. Matthew D'Souza, I agree, John. Yeah, let me know. Is there anybody in the chat who thinks Rafa Nadal will win tomorrow? Um I don't recall Nadal being this much of an outsider uh, going into a Grand Slam final. I guess 2006 Wimbledon, possibly 2007, but by 2007, Nadal was a bit more established on the scene and had also, of course, already got to one Wimbledon final. So you could say that the 2006 Wimbledon final, he was more of an outsider against Federer, um, but I don't recall one since then. Uh, that he was more of an outsider for, because he's pretty much always the favourite, the French. And even in New York, even when he came up against Djokovic, he managed to win at least one slam against him uh, in New York. I think it was his last win on a hard court against Djokovic. Uh, there's a question here about Coco Goff. Uh, what is a good year for Coco Goff? I would say if she makes the WTA finals somehow or another, that's a, a good year. Um, but a, a good run at a slam, you know, a, a deep run at a slam, quarterfinals, semifinals, something like that. Uh, at least one slam, and I think probably for her it would be nice if that was in New York. Uh, Lewis saying, I don't see Nadal winning tomorrow, although I'd like him. I think that's pretty much the feeling amongst Nadal fans. But maybe Nadal's got a plan up his sleeve. Maybe Carlos Moyer and, and that are thinking about it. I'm sure some of it will mean approaching the net. Uh, I think Rafa should never be under, under, underestimated. Absolutely, I'm not underestimating him. I'm just looking at the evidence, and I'm also looking at Medvedev peaking. If we think about Medvedev throughout this tournament, he's been playing better and better. There were some moments early on in the tournament where I thought his performances were underwhelming. And even against Cressy, that could easily have gone five sets, I think. Um, and then, of course, he had the five sets against Felix when he obviously faced a match point. So he looked vulnerable. I think yesterday uh, against Tsitsipas, probably the for, it was his best performance for sure. And really, despite it getting to one set all, and despite Tsitsipas giving it his absolute best, Medvedev was probably always just about on top, if not quite of the situation at the end of the first set, when, or at the end of the second set, sorry, when he lost it with the umpire. The umpire was a small cat. Exactly. Um, any more questions? Uh, what do you expect of players like Swanchek and Raducanu this year? Swanchek, really, it's all about the French Open. She wins the French Open. Great year. Raducanu is... Listen, she's still young. Experience, experience, experience. If she wins matches, that's great. Um, I, that, that would be my philosophy. She'll want more than that, of course, and she'll probably be wanting to win another title of some sort, whether that be a, a smaller title or one of the majors, I don't know. Uh, JG asking, if Rafa can win 21, how will you celebrate? Well... Of course, the match will be finishing. If Rafa was to win, I, and as, as I said, it'll have to be in straight sets, so I guess it'll be around about midday here. So it'll certainly be early enough to enjoy the rest of my day in Budapest before I fly back to Germany tomorrow night. But So I'm sure a drink or two will be going down. Uh, Fatima, he will have a chance by, uh, by three, with three sets, but his fit, fitness for a five set will not be good. Absolutely, Fatima. I think that's the general consensus. And therefore, that diminishes his chances because if you're going into a match against the world number two, don't forget potentially world number one, and you're thinking, I've got to win this in three sets, 
yeah. Hey, listen, Rafa is is wonderful at proving people wrong, and he's already proved us wrong by getting to this final, I think, or proved many of us wrong. Not JG's optimism, optimism who uh, predicted before the tournament he'd get to the final. And make sure you check out the uh, preview video that we had uh, that went out last night, and still they're available to watch. Give you a nice little preview before um, tomorrow's final. And don't forget to tune in at 10 p.m. tonight to celebrate Ash Barty's victory before tuning in 8.30 a.m. UK time, 9.30 a.m. Uh, in uh, Central Europe, 10.30 a.m. in South Africa. Uh, what time is it in? It's half past seven, I think, local time in Melbourne, uh, which might be a small factor. The temperature's a little cooler uh, as well at that time of day. Probably if you're a Nadal fan, ideally it would be a bit earlier, but not too much earlier because you don't want it too hot. Uh, as far as I know, it's going to be dry, so at least the roof is open. Uh, there we go. Any more questions? Uh, me too, JG. What's your celebration? I think that's probably a question for you, JG. Uh, JG says he's proud of Rafa, and I think all Rafa fans and Rafa himself can be pretty proud of his performance no matter what happens. Uh, Plant-Based Lifestyle says Medvedev all the way. I think if I was a Medvedev final, I would be, if I was a Medvedev fan, I'd be feeling pretty confident about tomorrow. I was at the final of 2019 that was an amazing final in, in New York, and it was on a knife edge, certainly going into that fifth set. Um, and I think some people, including myself, thought that maybe Nadal would prevail. But Nadal of 2019 is different to Nadal of 2022. Uh, I think he's got to use his nous and his te technical, sorry, and maybe even his tactical ability to prevail. Uh, what do you think will be Rafa's biggest weapon tomorrow? I mean, when I think of weapons with Rafa Nadal, it's always the forehand weapon. But I think you probably mean in terms of what is the best, best path to victory. Well, as I say, this is the reason why also I'm going to say the reason why I think he could win and why he has a chance. But if you think about it, every time I give you a, a factor behind Rafa Nadal winning tomorrow, there's probably four or five factors that go against it, which is why I think uh, Medvedev will win. Uh, but what could help him win? Serve, first and foremost. For, his serve has been great throughout this tournament, but I think he's going to have to serve possibly even better tomorrow. And he can. Probably at least if his serve is on a par with how it was for the sets one, two, and five against Chapovalov, if he serves that well, that gives him a chance. Um, but he needs it too. He cannot be doing the double faults that he did against Shapovalov as well in sets um, three and four in particular against Shapovalov. So that's one factor, I think. And as a result, if he serves that well, we could get a few tie breaks. But Rafa's form in tie breaks over the last four year, a few years hasn't been great. Um, but if you can push your opponent to a tie break, win the tie break, give yourself a chance... Um, that'll be something. Other things as well, I think, as well, if he can use, as I say, his experience. I, I don't think Medvedev is exactly inexperienced, but I certainly think um, Nadal's level of experience obviously a bit more, and he might be able to force the issue a little bit, um, playing aggressive tennis, making sure he hits deep shots and approaching the net in a smarter way than Tsitsipas did, for example, yesterday, when I think Tsitsipas's positioning on some of those was not ideal. I even think Tsitsipas's approach shots were not great. So I think we may see a bit more net action, and we know how good Nadal is at the net. 
Um, am I missing anything? He's basically got to keep those unforced errors super down, which he really has done throughout the tournament. And he's been getting better and better. And you could probably give a good argument to say that Nadal's best tennis uh, was against Berrettini for those first two sets in particular. And so with each round, I do think his best tennis uh, came in the first two sets and also it got better in each round. So on that level, if he goes up another couple of percent tomorrow and manages to repeat the first two sets, but he's also going to have to have plenty of energy. And of course, if we are going to tie breaks, which as I say, that might be Nadal's best, but you can see I'm clutching at straws. When you start saying you need your guy to go to tie breaks, to hopefully get it. I, I, my fear is that I just don't think he's going to make too many inroads on Medvedev's unbelievable serve. Um, probably, of all of Nadal's opponents, we know that Berrettini serves big, and there's no doubt about that, but Medvedev serves big and accurate. And he also serves a lot of unreturnables. And he also, big moments as well. We remember how he served match point down Medvedev when he just reeled off three unbelievable serves to save both the game, but also probably the match, pretty much, against... Um, against uh, Felix. Okay. Uh, ben and JG need to do a poll to continue sick report if John wants to continue. Uh, you mean for the rest of this one or just in general? Well, I think we may well be doing these at um, at the slams at the very least. We'll see how that goes. Uh, one more question here. Oh, hang on a second. I mean, it's been great having the sick report. I hope Ben and JG extend your internship, John. Yes, me too. Thank you very much. Matthew D'Souza there with a question. I think this will be the last one of the day. Uh, for Matthew, thank you very much for this question. John, uh, Rafa 2022 or Roger 2017, who's play, playing better at the Australian Open? I think I do see a lot of similarities between the two situations. I saw it before the tournament, again, when I was clutching at straws, uh, seeing that as being an omen that, you know, they both had tough draws. I think Rafa's draw opened up somewhat, though, with obviously possibly playing Kokonakis in the second round. Oh, Kokonakis goes out possibly playing Zverev in the quarterfinals. Oh, Zverev goes out. Uh, and also, of course, uh, possibly playing Djokovic in the semifinals. I don't know what happened to Djokovic. Let me know in the live chat. Don't recall his uh, departure. Meg's Carpentry, 43 likes will be good. Let's make it 100. Absolutely. Let's at least get to 50 before the end of the show. Um, anyway, I didn't, didn't quite answer that question from Matthew. So who's playing better? Let's see. If Rafa plays as well as he did in the first two sets, as I say, against Berrettini, if he repeats that tomorrow for three sets, then I think you'd probably make a good argument for Rafa. But if Rafa doesn't win, then it's obviously Roger having uh, one in five sets against Nadal in that final. Um, Michael's suggesting that uh, Medvedev have the toughest draw in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, uh, yeah, Felix quarterfinal was tough. Cressy was tough in the fourth round, I guess. Obviously, sits a pass. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, okay, guys, people, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you for one more of these tomorrow. And let's hope for an excellent match. And may the best man win. See you tomorrow. Podcast Network. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.